about uh, last week, we talked about the Thanksgiving feast or communion or, or just remembering what Christ has done for us and to le- level up the gratitude uh, for what he's done for us. And I hope, I hope that, uh, that as I have this week as well, that you've been just reminded of the goodness of God, the goodness of God. Uh, and I, I had that this, uh, this week and I've uh, been just, just reminded of, of his goodness, but also of the, of the good news um, I tried to find a picture for this next thing, and I just, I just couldn't. I, I tried to take a picture, and it just doesn't tell the story. So I'm wondering if you could maybe just close your eyes and just picture this moment with me. You know, this uh, week I was walking through my uh, sugar bush, collecting sap from the pails, or actually just checking in on them. And as I walked through, I was reminded of a devotional I read this, this week about stopping, slowing down, and just taking it all in. As I stood there in the middle of that that bush, I just stopped, and I began to look around, and, and I was amazed at what I could hear. You know, the sounds of, uh, the, sounds of the birds, you know, the, that warning cry of that blue jay flying overhead, the chatter of the chickadee-dee-dee, you know, the drip, drip, drip of the sap into empty buckets, the smell of crisp, clean air, you know, the leaves crunching under my boots, the faint sense of dry leaves, the warming earth, the sweet, smoky smell from my jacket, just breathing in the peace. You know, looking out around on all the trees and just seeing the buds eagerly anticipating spring's arrival and then scanning the different types of bark and the different types of trees and the different size of buds, some almost there and some just not even, not even waking up yet. Watching as the sun just shines through the bare branches, a small patch of frost lingering in the shade under an old pine tree, glistening as the sun begins to reach it. The calm water of the pond reflecting all of the beauty back heavenward, not a, not, not a whisper of, of air, of wind, and just peace. And as I stopped, <laughs> I looked again to where I'd started and began to make that path once again and realized that I'd missed so many different things and there was different birds and different leaves and that patch of frost was nearly melted and the splash of the sap was dripping into little pools instead of into the empty cans. And I just realized I could do it again and again and again and never come to the end of the beauty of that moment. Just open your eyes for a moment. You picture peace? Does it just feel like, (sighs) didn't you wish you could be there with me? Well, you don't have to. You can go out and do that on your own. Um, But, you know, I I became aware of this this week, that in that moment I felt really at peace. But I also realized that a lot of times in my life, there's, I don't always feel at peace. And I wondered about you. Do you feel at peace? You know, my, I have a default mode, and I've talked about it often. Worry and anxiety seem to be my default mode when things are going on. Uh, and as a, I, just, I couldn't get away from this, this um, thought of peace this week. Do you ever hear people say, hey, you know, may he rest in peace? Where do we hear that? funerals. And I'm like, is, is that the only time that we actually get, you know, to rest in peace? Is it only after death that we actually get to experience that? This past week, I memorized, um, it took me two weeks, actually, to memorize Psalm 63. How's your memorizing going? You guys still at it? Yeah, I see some thumbs up. I saw like, a, I see some upside down thumbs up. I'm, I'm hoping they're gonna, it's, it's, it's tricky. Keep, keep going. Keep going. Because this week, as I, as I was thinking about some of the stuff, it's what I memorized that came back to me. And it was from Psalm 63 where David writes, I lay awake thinking of you, meditating on you through the night. 
And I began to think, wait a second, what do I lay awake thinking about? <laughs> you know, what do, what do I lay awake meditating on? And I, I, I realized, you know, it's when it's those things that are in our world around us, when we begin meditating or thinking on those things, it leads to unrest. It leads to a lack of peace. And there's a lot of unrest in the world. I don't know if you'd noticed today, today there was uh, um, political unrest all over the world. There's, there's these massive rallies, huge protests all over the world today, protesting against uh, lockdown measures and different things. Um, you know, there's personal unrest. And we've heard about this for a long time, for, for a year. You know, life stuff going on. You know, different diagnosis from the doctor. Accident that, you know, is never expected. Job loss. All of a sudden, it's, it's just gone. Or just reading through the news. You know, and then there's the relational unrest. Families at war. Uh, you know, sometimes it's like uh, friendships at odds. Churches, people in church, just the unrest. You know, I thought, man, do we, do we get to just rest in peace? Can we, can we truly just rest in peace while we're, while we're alive? I was reminded of this story as I was preparing for, uh, for this weekend. And the story is about a, a, an old farmer who... Uh, he realized he's getting too old to, um, to uh, take care of his farm all by himself. He needs to hire a uh, hired hand. And so he puts an ad in the paper, and this guy shows up, this young kid, this young punk shows up. And the farmer asks him, says, well, what are your qualifications? You know, tell me about farming. He's like, well, I don't know a ton about that. But he's, he's like, I can sleep peacefully during a storm. And the farmer's like, what are you talking about, sleep peacefully during a storm? I need somebody who can work. I hear you already talking about sleep. But he's like, you're the only guy who showed up, so, you know, I'll hire him. And a few weeks later, you know, the story goes that the farmer and his wife wake up in the middle of the night to a, to a brutal storm, high winds, and, and they right away realize, you know, we got to make sure everything's battened down. So they run and they try and wake up the hired hand, and he just won't wake up. He's like a teenager, can't shake him out of his sleep. And they try and they try, and they're like, oh, man, I remember he told us. You know, he, he sleeps soundly, but boy, does he. So then the farmer and his wife begin to go out to try and take care of the farm, and uh, he, he decides as he's leaving, muttering under his breath, I'm going to fire him as soon as he wakes up. But as he goes around his farm, he finds to his surprise that the shutters and all the windows had already been shut and firmly fastened. All the tools which were just out in the yard the day before are now all safely in, in the uh, shed away from the weather. The tractor's in the drive shed. The bales of hay that were out there are all wrapped with tarps. You know, the barn was locked tight, and even the animals inside, they were all calm, well-fed, lots of bedding. And the farmer then stood there in that barn, realized and understood the meaning of the young man's words, I can sleep peacefully through a storm. He was prepared for the storm. He was ready for it when it came, and he could simply just rest in peace. You know, over the past you know, uh, year, we've talked about peace quite a bit, actually. We've talked about you know, famous paintings of a little bird building a nest in a waterfall. We've talked about Jesus sleeping in the boat during a storm and everyone else panicking. But I've been thinking about something different when it comes to peace since last weekend. I realize people have a longing on the inside for peace. That You can't buy it, you can't manufacture it, you can't sell it. If you could, you would be rich. They've tried to do it. They try to sell it. They try to manufacture peace. They try to tell you, hey, if you do this or you do that, you know, things will be back to normal. You know, we think if, if we can control everything in life, then maybe we'll experience some peace, peace of mind. But it always just seems so elusive. You know, we need a few more dollars or we need a little bit more control or whatever it is in order to find peace. But as I was reading through the New Testament, many of you uh, who are reading through the New Testament with us, you realize we just arrived at Luke. 
Luke is one of my favorite, favorite portions of scripture because he writes to people like me, non-Jewish who don't understand all the history, and he gives us the details that, that many others would have omitted and we would have missed out on. But as you've read with us, you read today about the birth of John the Baptist, and tomorrow I'll begin reading about the birth of Jesus. When I think about the birth of Jesus, last week we talked about Thanksgiving because it was so close. So today we're going to talk about Christmas because it's so close. So Luke, you know, Luke tells us about these messengers, these angels that arrive to see these shepherds in Luke chapter 2. So if you have your Bible, open it. Just track along with me. Luke chapter 2, verse 13. It says, suddenly the angels, so these, the, 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 you guys know the Christmas story. The, the angels had come to the shepherds and said, hey, there's a new baby born. And then at the end of the message, it says this, suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven. They were praising God and they're saying, glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. They're like, this is the message. And they're like, wow, you know, sweet, there's peace on earth. We haven't experienced that in a long time. There's peace on earth. It's just what Isaiah promised. If you know Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 9, here is the promise. Verse 6, he says, For a child is born to us and a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His name will be the Prince of Peace. His government and its peace, he says, it'll never end. He'll rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity the passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. That's what Isaiah prophesied years in advance, uh, centuries in advance, really. And here they are anticipating that moment. The Prince of Peace has come. There's going to be peace on earth. And when Jesus <laughs> arrives on the scene, and they, they're like, he's the Messiah. He's the one. He's the one who promised he's going to bring freedom and he's going to bring peace. And those two things, they're, they're required. They, they go together. Uh, there's so many others who've shared those same thoughts. Malcolm X, Klaus Arnoldson uh, was a guy from Sweden, Martin Luther King. They all talk about this idea without freedom, there can be no peace. If there's not freedom, there's not peace. If there's not justice, there's not peace. And all of them, including the disciples around Jesus that day, are all thinking about it in political terms. But when Jesus was asked about it, you know, are you here to bring the peace? Here's what he responded in Luke chapter 12. Verse 51, you can read all of Luke 12 and just gather the context of this conversation. It's fascinating. But Jesus says this. He, he simply tells him, hey, I'm here on a mission. And he says in verse 51, do you think that I've come to bring peace on earth? And they're probably like, if he had paused, yeah, yeah that's what we think. That's, I didn't, isn't that what the angels told the shepherds? You're bringing peace on earth? Isn't, isn't that what Isaiah prophesied? You, you, you're the prince of peace. He's like, I, no. He says, no, I've come to divide people against each other. They're like, what? From now on, he says, families will be split apart. Three in favor of me, two against, or two in favor and three against. And they're like, hold on a second. I thought, we thought, you know, peace from Rome. We thought peace in our families. We thought, didn't you come to bring peace? And I think what we, I find even in our own understanding of this, sometimes we miss what what Jesus really came to do. And I want to talk about that tonight. Paul wrote to the Ephesians, and you'll see it through all of the letters afterwards, that he reminds them that they are in a war. He says that you are in a war, and it's not against flesh and blood. It's not against people. It's not against politicians. But you're in a war against darkness. You are in it. It doesn't, it's not just it's that it's coming. Things are going to get tough for you. You are in it right now all the time, whether it's flared up or not. So Paul wrote to the Ephesians and said, hey, be ready. To the Corinthians, he said, be ready. And to the Ephesians, we studied this a year ago. 
put on the armor of God, right? We said from now on, which means, is it still from now on? Yes, and I love that you remember that. From now on, put that on. Because one of the parts of the armor that Paul tells the Ephesians about and mentions to them, he says in Ephesians 6.15, and this just came alive again for me as I was studying it this week. He says, having, he's talking about all the other armor. He says, but having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Not just putting on, you know, the gospel of peace, like, hey, I got the gospel for myself. He's, there's this word preparation, to be prepared, to be fully knowing, fully prepared, fully understanding the good news or the gospel, the good news of peace. You know, what we sometimes wonder is like, oh, it's going to be peace in our homes or peace, whatever. He said, but Jesus was saying it's not peace in families and peace in nations and peace in marriages. That's, that's not what this, the good news could actually cause the opposite. The good news in your life could actually cause the opposite. People turning against you. Families turning against you because you're following Jesus. It's not the peace that means an absence of trouble uh, or, uh, or that there's not going to be any storms in your life anymore or that you're going to be like in tranquility in the middle of that bush just like looking around like, oh, life is just so peaceful. I mean, deep down in my gut, that's what I wish it was. That's what I wish it was. But it doesn't start there. And so Peter, Peter also told the believers, and you can find it in 1 Peter 3.15, he's like, be prepared. That word preparation is the word I sometimes miss, but he says, be prepared. Be prepared to share the hope that you have in Christ with anyone who asks. You know, I've been asking people this question recently in our small groups. Uh, I've got some of these other groups that I've been asking, just talking to people who say they're Christians. They, they say, yeah, they, yes, I'm a Christian. I ask them questions like this, hey, do you have peace with God? And I'm like, well, what do you mean? You know, like, you know, when you get to stand before God one day, are, are you good with God? Are you getting into heaven? Do you know if you're going to heaven for sure? And I was shocked by the answer, to be honest, because I would have people like, I, I think so. You know, I, I hope so. And they would ask questions like, well, I'm pretty sure, but what happens if, you know, like, I, I just... I swear as the car hits me on the road and I die and I didn't have time to repent, what happens then? And I began to think, have we prepared to share the gospel with people? Do we understand the gospel for ourselves? Do we understand the good news of peace? Because if we don't understand it for ourselves, there's no way that we can share. And I, you know, I thought, you know, as we talked about it last time about the preparation of putting on the shoes is that we would walk with the good news uh, of peace. Paul wrote to the Corinthians and reminded them of the good news, and that's what the same thing I just want to do today. Something very, very simple. Uh, I think maybe last week, this week, and next week end up becoming part of a series just on the gospel, the good news. But Paul wrote to the, to the Corinthians, and for me, simple is like pictures. So can we do some pictures? Okay, let's do pictures. I was going to draw, but then I couldn't erase it. So let's start with the line. Can I say that most of us as Christians... We draw, we draw a line when it comes to this idea of, am I good with God? Am I going to get to heaven someday? You know, the response from the people that I've talked to is like, we, we have this line. And if they've mentioned that to me, there's people who think that way. And maybe, maybe it's you tonight, uh, but I, I, would, I would encourage you to, 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 to think about this. Do you draw a line where you think, this is, this is, this is the standard, and if I'm, I think I'm in today, but maybe, maybe I'm, I'm not sure. And then we... We kind of have our standards, so maybe we do this. We're like, you know, yes, I'm a Christian, but, man, I, I said a few bad words today. I, I think if I died right now, I'd, I don't know where, where I'd go. But, you know, then, like, you know what? I'm going to pray about that. Uh, and God, he's happier with me now, you know, because I prayed, and I actually feel like he's happier with me now. And, and I'm doing okay, and then, you know what? I'm going to go to church. 
Actually, bonus points for Saturday night. Like, God, God must be really happy with the group. Yeah. Oh, I do not want to have to pay for that. All right. So, you know, and then it's like this, and then you get to down. It's like, oh, it's tax return time. You're like, well, I think I can claim that. Well, I almost spent that. And we're like, and then you have like, you send off your tax return. You're like, oh, you feel like so guilty. Like, I know I shouldn't have. I know I didn't tell the truth. I just hope they don't catch me. And, and we'll see what happens. And you go through this, and you're like, man, I feel terrible. But you know what? I know what I'm going to do. I'm not going to confess my lie to anybody or anything. I'm just going to give some money away. And we're like, whoa, God, you must be so happy. I, I gave, actually, we should probably take up an offering right now while everybody's feeling a little guilty. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, but this is what happens. And we're like, oh, I just feel so amazing. Because doesn't it feel amazing to give? It does. And we feel like, wow, I'm doing so good. And then there's, I don't know if you can see that, but then there's that sin. That sin. Every one of us has a one of those. That sin. That one that I'm like, man, I, I'm pretty sure, you know, God, I've done super good. Like, it's been like, it's been like 17 days, and I haven't drank that stuff. And all of a sudden, it's like, whoops. There we are. You, you know, and we can all laugh because, you know, we've either, we've all been there. But we draw this line. Any, I'm not going to do a show of hands. But any of you ever had that thought that this is kind of how my relationship with Christ is? I'm like, you know, I sure, I sure don't want to meet my maker in one of these spots. I definitely don't want to meet him here. And we have this line. And I think a lot of people in our North American culture, we, we draw this line. And we think, we think that's how God draws a line. But you know, God drew a different line. God draws a line too. Let's just show the, this line. God draws a line, but it's nothing like our line. His line is this. Here's my standard, he says. Perfection or not, you choose. And, and how do we draw that? How do we, where would we draw ourselves on the line of, of perfection? Where would you, if I gave you a sharpie and said, hey, draw you, where are you at right now? Would you put yourself up here? Well, most of us would be like, no. So, you know, we look at all of these things. This is what I did. For somebody who thinks it's, it's about how I'm doing, it's about my behavior, it's where I'm going, all of it falls under the perfection line, there's nothing we can do that brings perfection in our lives. We're categorically on the bottom side. Categorically, we would, we would be called a sinner. It's not perfection. We're, we're, on the, we're on the opposite side. And every single one of us finds ourselves there. And actually, we were born. We were born down there. You know, the Bible talks about how all of our good deeds they're just like filthy rags. They, they don't do enough to get us to the line. They definitely don't do enough to get us above the line. And maybe you're like, well, man, you know, what do I do? And it's like, do I, I just keep trying to be a better person? Even if I can't get there on my own? It's kind of depressing. You know, the story even right here, I'm just reminded of it when Jesus met a rich young ruler. He came and said, what do I need to do to get to heaven? And he's, Jesus said, do we keep all the commandments? He's like, I've done all that. He's like, well, you know, give all your money away to the poor. And he's like, I just, I just can't. I can't. I can't get there. It's depressing. How do you, how do you get in? How do you know that you know that you're good with God? You know, it's great that the Bible tells us. You know, Jesus met a guy named Nicodemus and you can read the story of Nicodemus in John chapter 3. But Jesus told Nicodemus to get into the kingdom, to, to get into his kingdom, you, you must be born again. What does that born again mean? You know, Nicodemus didn't really understand it. I think a lot of people don't understand that today because we think sinner is something that we do. What makes a person a sinner? 
well, we sin. That's kind of the thought, right? I'm like, this, this is what makes me a sinner, like the bad words, the tax return lies, the, that thing. It's, well, it's sinner's sin. That's what they do. And what Scripture tells us is that sinner is not something you do. It's something that you are. And that we were, we were born into this place right, right under here. We, we were born here. Born in this category called sinner. And it doesn't matter what we do. We're not getting out of that category on our own. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. The sins are, sin, are, are, are sins. The, the good stuff we do, it's, it's just all sin. But, you know, I think about that. I was, I was born into a bunch of different things. I was born in Canada, which makes me Canadian. I was born into the Vanderweer family, which makes me a Vanderweer. But I was also born a sinner, and my parents didn't even have to teach me. I just, just knew it. And that's what Jesus is saying. He's like, listen, every one of you is born into this place. The only way that you know that you're getting into his kingdom is you've got to be born one more time. You have to be born again, born into a new family, born into a new reality. You're like, how do you do that? Paul explains it this way. Romans chapter 10, verse 9. He says, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord, if you'll declare that Jesus is Lord, there's something powerful about that because when we're down on the other line, guess who's Lord? Us. And we don't even really get to be because sin is our master. We, we, have no, we have no power over it. He says, but if you'll openly declare that you have a new master, a new Lord, that's Jesus. And it says, and believe, which the word is trust. Trust in your heart that God raised him from the dead. He says, you'll be saved. You'll be, you'll be rescued from that place. He says, for it's by believing in your heart that you're made what right with God. And he says, it's by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. As the scriptures tell us, Anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Anyone who trusts in him. This is what Paul says after the fact. Go back to Nicodemus and Jesus that night. You know, Jesus told Nick that night, he says, Nick, I, being born again is hard to describe, except it's, it's like the wind. He's like, you, you can't see the wind, but you can see what the wind does. It's like if this happens, you know, you wake up one morning and you're like, this happened. Can you see the wind in the picture? No, but you can see that this wasn't like this yesterday. Something changed. You know, and the sad part about it is I looked for all these things where the wind, you know, was like it didn't, didn't show a whole lot of damage because it's like, yes, you know, I want Holy Spirit to come into my life and do a whole lot of damage. It's, it doesn't really go. So, but I heard Jeff Foxworthy say that if a tornado comes through your town and does a million dollars of improvements, then you might be a redneck. But it also works for tonight's point that that's what happens. The wind comes in and does a whole lot of improvements on the inside. He changes you as you trust in him. He places you in a new family, in a new kingdom. He puts you above the line. If we go back to our little diagram, here's what he does. We're stuck down here, stuck down here. This is why the beauty of the cross, he says, when you trust that what Jesus did for you means I'm not trying to do it all on my own. I'm not trying to be a better person. That's what religion does. Religion's like, I'm going to get to God. I can do this. Look what I've done. Look how good I am. Look, I'm going to get there. You never do it. He says, but once you put your trust in him, what he did for you on the cross, that he died in your place, that he conquered sin for you, and he rescues you. He puts you here. He's like, he took us out from death and set us uh, in a place of life. He took us out of the clay, and he set us on the rock to stay. And he says, you know what? What does it look like then? Now it's like, say, you know what? I, I read the word, not to get closer to God, not to get good with God, just to walk with God. 
you know, I worship out of gratitude for what he's done for me. I'm not like, you know, trying to like impress him or please him. You know, prayer is just so that I might know his voice. I'm just, I'm just walking with him. And then, you know, as I pray, oh man, I fell asleep during prayer. Well, you didn't fall down to here. You, it's just, it's, it's not even one of those things. Like as you continue to walk, it's like, oh no, you know, I was praying, everything was great. And then that sin. And for so many, they think that sin pulls them below this line. And they think, you know what, I don't know, I don't know if I'm saved. I don't know if, you know, if, if um, I, I don't know what, I don't know where I stand with God in that moment. But he says, you know, you're, you're categorically, you're not a sinner anymore. You're a saint. And yeah, you haven't got it all figured out yet, but I do. He says, I've called you a saint. And here's what Romans 5 verse 1 says. You're in already. Eternal life has begun. You have peace with God. He says, verse 5 verse 1. Therefore, since we have been, means past tense. It's already finished in our lives. Since we've been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. We already have peace with God. We're not trying to earn salvation. We're not trying to get there. Next week, we'll talk about the whole idea of what, good, what our good deeds and what all that stuff is. But you know what? Let me ask you a question. Go back to our, our chart there number, uh, from number 11. How do, you, um, or, yeah, how do you stay in the family? You know, Jesus, that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, you were born into this family. How do you stay in this one? He's like, when you're born in this family, how did you get in? You trusted in Jesus. It's the same way you stay in the family. That's, that's how you stay in it. You know, if I tell my own kids, like, for instance, I tell my kids, clean the room. I go down there and I realize, hey, they didn't clean the room. I'm like, that's it. Like, you're out of the family. You are not a vanduer anymore until you get your act together and get this room clean. How... Does any of you think that I would do that to my son? I better not ask that. Do any of you think that a perfect heavenly father would do that to his child? No, he's never going to say, oh, that's sin again, eh? <laughs> All right. You are out of the family. Do you know, do you know, can I just tell you why Christians end up in places like this and get all struggle in, in temptations and addictions and all kinds of stuff? It's because they think they've got to try and get themselves out of here again. And they do, they think they fell below the line. They're like, oh God, I'll repent, I'll do all this stuff. And what do they do? They just go back to religion. He said, man, I set you free from that garbage. I, I just want you to have a relationship with me to bring you into a family. And that is why it is such good news. That's why the gospel is good news. And I think if, if we don't understand that, that we couldn't earn it, that we can't deserve it, that we can't buy it, that we can't find it, but that we can have it, <laughs> it it's incredible. You know, peace with God. You know, what it used to be was all about me, all about my will, all about my desires, about what I've done or what I'm going to do or, or the hard heart that I had, no peace in my life. I was trapped. And then he just simply says, listen, the good news is it's not all about you. It's all about me. It's all about my will, my desires, what he's already done for us, the soft hearted that you can hear his voice, that he gives you peace and he sets you free. That is good news. That is good news. If you're listening tonight and need that good news, oh my goodness, it is truly good news. And then he says, you know what? It's not just, it's trust, but then it's follow. It's trust and then follow me. Because you got a new master, you got a new Lord. That's the act of repentance is walking a different way, following a different voice on the inside. We're so used to following that one voice that leads us into all his misery. He's like, just follow this new voice on the inside, and I picture it this way, as a parent, walking backwards, watching their child. 
You know, I picture it like, you know, God the Father just saying, hey, keep your eyes on me. Keep your eyes on me. And as, as a parent's watching their child, you know, if the, uh, we picture a baby because that's all I could find. I couldn't find one where they're like to the teenager for some reason. I don't know. We, nobody put that picture online. But, you know, the, as, a, as a child walking, the parent can clearly see when the child's going to take missteps and say, whoa, whoa, whoa. you don't want to go that way. Not because I'm kicking you out of the family, but that's not going to lead you to peace. Keep your eyes on me. And if they do walk that way, they do fall, guess who catches them? Jesus. He's like, hey, I, I set the line for you. I'm the safety net. I've got you, set you up again. Get your eyes back on Papa. Holy Spirit's the one walking with, holding the hand, saying, hey, we're in this together, you and me. You know, we're not saved by our good works. We're not saved because we do good things after, after we've um, received what Christ has done for us, but we're saved for good works, and we'll talk about that next week. You know, just like that walk in the, in the bush, I think that there's a simplicity. Can I, can I just ask this question? Did that, did that help make some sense? Is that clear or too deep? Clear, simple. You could share that with somebody. See, that, that's, that's the hope. That's the hope. But can I just say that the gospel, because some of you are like, wait a second, I've studied the Bible. There's more to it than that. It's deeper than that. And you are right. It is, it is so much deeper than that. And yet it's that simple as well. When I think about that idea of standing in that bush and just looking at the trees and looking at the leaves and seeing that bird and then, you know, seeing the pond and just how serene and clean it was, I'm like, wow, it's amazing. But as I go back and I look again, as I watch all the way through, guess what? I keep seeing that there was more. Oh, I didn't recognize that tree is actually growing right into another one. Oh, and right, uh, right there on the edge of the pond, I can see something. Uh, you know, the tadpoles are already um, hatched. And as you go across, it's like, wow, I see more and more deeper. And as I go back, it's like, oh, that's the thing about the gospel. Yes, it is so simple and and yet, it is so complex in the fact that there's always going to be something more to see as you look back into it again. Beautiful. I want to close with this thought. I thought of Horatio Spafford, who wrote the song, When Peace Like a River. Because for me, I, I want peace. I do, you know. I want that, the peace that is like, you know, the, that tranquility peace that I, that I don't have to worry about, you know, all the, all the stuff going on in the world. And different things, but I realized Horatio Spafford uh, was, many of you know his story, but it, he lost his business in the, the, the Great Chicago Fire. Two years later, his family was going on vacation from the States to, uh, to England, and uh, he, at the last minute, wasn't able to go, and so he sent his wife and four daughters across, and as they were midway across the Atlantic, a, a, a steamship um, ran into their ship, and it sunk. Anna was the one who let him know what happened as she sent a, a, what do they call those, a telegram? Sent it back and it just said two words, saved alone. That's how he found out that he lost all four of his daughters on the same day. And so Horatio Spafford travels across, across the waters of the Atlantic and he gets to that place where the captain of the ship says, hey, here's, here's where the other one went down. As he looks into that billowing uh, waters, that tormenting sea, knowing he's on his way to see his wife Anna to comfort her in her grief, he writes the words of this song. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, 
it's well. The shepherds said, hey, there's a new baby born. And then at the end of the message, it says this. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven. They were praising God and they're saying, glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. They're like, this is the message. And they're like, wow, you know, sweet, there's peace on earth. We haven't experienced that in a long time. There's peace on earth. It's just what Isaiah promised. If you know Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 9, here is the promise. Verse 6, he says, For a child is born to us and a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His name will be the Prince of Peace. His government and its peace, he says, it'll never end. He'll rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity the passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. That's what Isaiah prophesied years in advance, uh, centuries in advance, really. And here they are anticipating that moment. The Prince of Peace has come. There's going to be peace on earth. And when Jesus arrives on the scene and they're like, he's the Messiah. He's the one. He's the one who promised he's going to bring freedom and he's going to bring peace. And those two things, they're they're required. They, They go together. Uh, there's so many others who've shared those same thoughts. Malcolm X, Klaus Arnoldson uh, was a guy from Sweden. Martin Luther King, they all talk about this idea without freedom, there can be no peace. If there's not freedom, there's not peace. If there's not justice, there's not peace. And all of them, including the disciples around Jesus that day, are all thinking about it in political terms. But when Jesus was asked about it, you know, are you here to bring the peace? Here's what he responded in Luke chapter 12. Verse 51, you can read all of Luke 12 and just gather the context of this conversation. It's fascinating. But Jesus says this. He he simply tells him, hey, I'm here on a mission. And he says in verse 51, do you think that I've come to bring peace on earth? And they're probably like, if he had paused, yeah, yeah, that's what we think. That's, I didn't, isn't that what the angels told the shepherds? You're bringing peace on earth? Isn't, isn't that what Isaiah prophesied? You, you, you're the prince of peace. He's like, I, no. He says, no, I've come to divide people against each other. They're like, what? From now on, he says, families will be split apart. Three in favor of me, two against, or two in favor and three against. And they're like, hold on a second. I thought, we thought, you know, peace from Rome. We thought peace in our families. We thought, didn't you come to bring peace? And I think what we, I find even in our own understanding of this, sometimes we miss what what Jesus really came to do. And I want to talk about that tonight. Paul wrote to the Ephesians, and you'll see it through all of the letters afterwards, that he reminds them that they are in a war. He says that you are in a war, and it's not against flesh and blood. It's not against people. It's not against politicians. But you're in a war against darkness. You are in it. It doesn't, it's not just it's that it's coming, things are going to get tough for you. You are in it right now all the time, whether it's flared up or not. So Paul wrote to the Ephesians and said, hey, be ready. To the Corinthians, he said, be ready. And to the Ephesians, we studied this a year ago, put on the armor of God, right? We said, from now on, which means, is it still from now on? Yes, and I love that you remember that. From now on, put that on. Because one of the parts of the armor that Paul tells the Ephesians about and mentions to them, he says in Ephesians 6.15, and this just came alive again for me as I was studying it this week. He says, having, he's talking about all the other armor. He says, but having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Not just putting on, you know, the gospel of peace, like, hey, I got the gospel for myself. He's, there's this word preparation, to be prepared, to be fully knowing, fully prepared, fully understanding the good news or the gospel, the good news of peace. 
You know, what we sometimes wonder is like, oh, it's going to be peace in our homes or peace, whatever. He said, but Jesus was saying it's not peace in families and peace in nations and peace in marriages. That's, that's not what this, the good news could actually cause the opposite. The good news in your life could actually cause the opposite. People turning against you, families turning against you because you're following Jesus. It's not the peace that means an absence of trouble uh, or, uh, or that there's not going to be any storms in your life anymore or that you're going to be like in tranquility in the middle of that bush, just like looking around like, oh, life is just so peaceful. I mean, deep down in my gut, that's what I wish it was. That's what I wish it was. But it doesn't start there. And so Peter, Peter also told the believers, and you can find it First 1 Peter 3.15, he's like, be prepared. That word preparation is the word I sometimes miss, but he says, be prepared. Be prepared to share the hope that you have in Christ with anyone who asks. You know, I've been asking people this question recently in our small groups. Uh, I've got some of these other groups that I've been asking, just talking to people who say they're Christians. They, they say, yeah, they, yes, I'm a Christian. I ask them questions like this, hey, do you have peace with God? And I'm like, well, what do you mean? You know, like, you know when you get to stand before God one day, are, are you good with God? Are you getting into heaven? Do you know if you're going to heaven for sure? And I was shocked by the answer, to be honest, because I would have people like, I, I, I think so. You know, I, I hope so. Um, and they would ask questions like, well, I'm pretty sure, but, but what happens if, you know, like, I, I just, I swear as the car hits me on the road and I die and I didn't have time to repent, what happens then? And I began to think, have we prepared to share the gospel with people? Do we understand the gospel for ourselves? Do we understand the good news of peace? Because if we don't understand it for ourselves, there's no way that we can share. And I, you know, I thought, you know, as we talked about it last time about the preparation of putting on the shoes, is that we would walk with the good news uh, of peace. Paul wrote to the Corinthians and reminded them of the good news, and that's what the same thing I just want to do today. Something very, very simple. I think maybe last week, this week, and next week end up becoming part of a series just on the gospel, the good news. But Paul wrote to the, to the Corinthians, and for me, simple is like pictures. So can we do some pictures? Okay, let's do pictures. I was going to draw, but then I couldn't erase it. So let's start with the line. Can I say that most of us as Christians, we draw, we draw a line when it comes to this idea of, am I good with God? Am I going to get to heaven someday? You know, the response from the people that I've talked to is like, we, we have this line. And if they've mentioned that to me, there's people who think that way. And maybe, maybe it's you tonight, uh, but I, I, would, I would encourage you to, 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 to think about this. Do you draw a line where you think, this is, this is, this is the standard, and if I'm, I think I'm in today, but maybe, maybe I'm, I'm not sure. And then we, we kind of have our standards, so maybe we do this. We're like, you know, yes, I'm a Christian, but, man, I, I said a few bad words today. I, I think if I died right now, I, I don't know where, where I'd go. But, you know, then, like, you know what? I'm going to pray about that. Uh, and God, he's happier with me now, you know, because I prayed. And I actually feel like he's happier with me now. And, and I'm doing okay. And then, you know what? I'm going to go to church. I actually, bonus points for Saturday night. Like, God, God must be really happy with the group. Yeah. Oh, I do not want to have to pay for that. All right. So, you know, and then it's like this. And then you get to down. It's like, oh, it's tax return time. You're like, well... I think I can claim that. Well, I almost spent that. And we're like, and then you have like, you send off your tax return. You're like, oh, you feel like so guilty. Like, I know I shouldn't have. I know I didn't tell the truth. I just hope they don't catch me. And, and we'll see what happens. And you go through this and you're like, man, I feel terrible. But you know what? I know what I'm going to do. 
I'm not going to confess my lie to anybody or anything. I'm just going to give some money away. And we're like, whoa, God, you must be so happy. I, I gave, actually, we should probably take up an offering right now while everybody's feeling a little guilty. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, but this is what happens. And we're like, oh, I just feel so amazing. Because doesn't it feel amazing to give? It does. And we feel like, wow, I'm doing so good. And then there's, I don't know if you can see that, but then there's that sin. That sin. Every one of us has a one of those. That sin. That one that I'm like, man, I, I'm pretty sure, you, you know, God, I've done super good. Like, it's been like, it's been like 17 days, and I haven't drank that stuff. And all of a sudden, it's like, whoops. There we are. You, you know, and we can all laugh because, you know, we've either, we've all been there. But we draw this line. And I'm not going to do a show of hands. But any of you ever had that thought that this is kind of how my relationship with Christ is? I'm like, you know, I sure, I sure don't want to meet my maker in one of these spots. I definitely don't want to meet him here. And we have this line. And I think a lot of people in our North American culture, we, we draw this line. And we think, we think that's how God draws a line. But you know, God drew a different line. God draws a line too. Let's just show the, this line. God draws a line, but it's nothing like our line. His line is this. Here's my standard, he says. Perfection or not, you choose. And, and how do we draw that? How do we, where would we draw ourselves on the line of, of perfection? Where would you, if I gave you a sharpie and said, hey, draw you, where are you at right now? Would you put yourself up here? Well, most of us would be like, no. So, you know, we look at all of these things. This is what I did. For somebody who thinks it's, it's about how I'm doing, it's about my behavior, it's where I'm going, all of it falls under the perfection line, there's nothing we can do that brings perfection in our lives. We're categorically on the bottom side. Categorically, we would, we would be called a sinner. It's not perfection. We're, we're, on the, we're on the opposite side. And every single one of us finds ourselves there. And actually, we were born. We were born down there. You know, the Bible talks about how all of our good deeds they're just like filthy rags. They, they don't do enough to get us to the line. They definitely don't do enough to get us above the line. And maybe you're like, well, man, you know, what do I do? And it's like, do I just keep trying to be a better person? Even if I can't get there on my own? It's kind of depressing. You know, the story even right here, I'm just reminded of it when Jesus met a rich young ruler. He came and said, what do I need to do to get to heaven? And he's, Jesus said, do we keep all the commandments? He's like, I've done all that. He's like, well, you know, give all your money away to the poor. And he's like, I just, I just can't. I can't. I can't get there. It's depressing. How do, you, how do you get in? How do you know that you know that you're good with God? You know, it's great that the Bible tells us. You know, Jesus met a guy named Nicodemus. And you can read the story of Nicodemus in John chapter 3. But Jesus told Nicodemus to get into the kingdom, to, to get into his kingdom, you must be born again. What does that born again mean? You know, Nicodemus didn't really understand it. I think a lot of people don't understand that today because we think sinner is something that we do. What makes a person a sinner? Well, we sin. That's kind of the thought, right? I'm like, this, this is what makes me a sinner, like the bad words, the tax return lies. The, that thing, it's, well, it's sinner's sin, that's what they do. And what scripture tells us is sinner is not something you do, it's something that you are, and that we were, we were born into this place right, right under here. We, we were born here, born in this category called sinner, and it doesn't matter what we do, we're not getting out of that category on our own. 
It doesn't, it doesn't matter. The sins are, sin, are, are, are sins. The, the good stuff we do, it's, it's just all sin. But, you know, I think about that. I was, I was born into a bunch of different things. I was born in Canada, which makes me Canadian. I was born into the Vanderweer family, which makes me a Vanderweer. But I was also born a sinner, and my parents didn't even have to teach me. I just, just knew it. And that's what Jesus is saying. He's like, listen, every one of you is born into this place. The only way that you know that you're getting into his kingdom is you've got to be born one more time. You have to be born again, born into a new family, born into a new reality. You're like, how do you do that? Paul explains it this way. Romans chapter 10, verse 9. He says, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord, if you'll declare that Jesus is Lord, there's something powerful about that because when we're down on the other line, guess who's Lord? Us. And we don't even really get to be because sin is our master. We, we, have no, we have no power over it. He says, but if you'll openly declare that you have a new master, a new Lord, that's Jesus. And it says, and believe, which the word is trust. Trust in your heart that God raised him from the dead. He says, you'll be saved. You'll be, you'll be rescued from that place. He says, for it's by believing in your heart that you're made what? right with God. And he says, it's by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. As the scriptures tell us, Anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Anyone who trusts in him. This is what Paul says after the fact. Go back to Nicodemus and Jesus that night. You know, Jesus told Nick that night, he says, Nick, I, being born again is hard to describe except it's, it's like the wind. He's like, you, you can't see the wind, but you can see what the wind does. It's like if this happens, you know, you wake up one morning and you're like, this happened. Can you see the wind in the picture? No, but you can see that this wasn't like this yesterday. Something changed. You know, and the sad part about it is I looked for all these things where the wind, you know, was like it didn't, didn't show a whole lot of damage because it's like, yes, you know, I want Holy Spirit to come into my life and do a whole lot of damage. It's, it doesn't really go. So, but I heard Jeff Foxworthy say that if a tornado comes through your town and does a million dollars of improvements, then you might be a redneck. But it also works for tonight's point that that's what happens. The wind comes in and does a whole lot of improvements on the inside. He changes you as you trust in him. He places you in a new family, in a new kingdom. He puts you above the line. If we go back to our little diagram, here's what he does. We're stuck down here, stuck down here. This is why the beauty of the cross, he says, when you trust that what Jesus did for you, means I'm not trying to do it all on my own. I'm not trying to be a better person. That's what religion does. Religion's like, I'm going to get to God. I can do this. Look what I've done. Look how good I am. Look, I'm going to get there. You never do it. He says, but once you put your trust in him, what he did for you on the cross, that he died in your place, that he conquered sin for you, and he rescues you. He puts you here. He's like, he took us out from death and set us uh, in a place of life. He took us out of the clay, and he set us on the rock to stay. And he says, you know what? What does it look like then? Now it's like, say, you know what? I, I read the word, not to get closer to God, not to get good with God, just to walk with God. You know, I worship out of gratitude for what he's done for me. I'm not like, you know, trying to like impress him or please him. You know, prayer is just so that I might know his voice. I'm just, I'm just walking with him. And then, you know, as I pray, oh man, I fell asleep during prayer. Well, you didn't fall down to here. You, it's just, it's, it's not even one of those things. It's like as you continue to walk, it's like, oh no, you know, I was praying, everything was great. And then that sin. And for so many, they think that sin pulls them below this line. And they think, you know what, I don't know, I don't know if I'm saved. 
I don't know if you know if if um, I I don't know what I don't know where I stand with God in that moment. But He says, you know, you're you're categorically you're not a sinner anymore. You're a saint, and yeah, you haven't got it all figured out yet, but I do. He says, I've called you a saint, and here's what Romans five verse one says. You're in already. Eternal life has begun. You have peace with God. He says, verse 5, verse 1, Therefore, since we have been, means past tense. It's already finished in our lives. Since we've been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. We already have peace with God. We're not trying to earn salvation. We're not trying to get there. Next week, we'll talk about the whole idea of what good, what our good deeds and what all that stuff is. But you know what? Let me ask you a question. Go back to our, our chart there number, uh, from number 11. How do you, um, or yeah, how do you stay in the family? You know, Jesus, that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, you were born into this family. How do you stay in this one? He's like, when you're born in this family, how did you get in? You trusted in Jesus. It's the same way you stay in the family. That's, that's how you stay in it. You know, if I tell my own kids, like, for instance, I tell my kids, clean the room. I go down there and I realize, hey, they didn't clean the room. I'm like, that's it, Lake. You're out of the family. You are not a Vanduer anymore until you get your act together and get this room clean. How, does any of you think that I would do that to my son? I better not ask that. Do any of you think that a perfect Heavenly Father would do that to his child? No, he's never going to say, oh, that's sin again, eh? <laughs> All right. You are out of the family. Do you know, do you know, can I just tell you why Christians end up in places like this and get all struggle in, in temptations and addictions and all kinds of stuff? It's because they think they've got to try and get themselves out of here again. And they do. They think they fell below the line. They're like, oh, God, I'll repent. I'll do all this stuff. And what do they do? They just go back to religion. He's like, man, I set you free from that garbage. I, I just want you to have a relationship with me to bring you into a family. And that is why it is such good news. That's why the gospel is good news. And I think if, if we don't understand that, that we couldn't earn it, that we can't deserve it, that we can't buy it, that we can't find it, but that we can have it, <laughs> it it's incredible. You know, peace with God. You know, what it used to be was all about me, all about my will, all about my desires, about what I've done or what I'm going to do or, or the hard heart that I had. No peace in my life. I was trapped. And then he just simply says, listen, the good news is it's not all about you. It's all about me. It's all about my will, my desires, what he's already done for us. The soft-hearted, that you can hear his voice, that he gives you peace and he sets you free. That is good news. That is good news. If you're listening tonight and need that good news, oh my goodness, it is truly good news. And then he says, you know what? It's not just, it's trust, but then it's follow. It's trust and then follow me. Because you got a new master, you got a new Lord. That's the act of repentance is walking a different way, following a different voice on the inside. We're so used to following the, that one voice that leads us into all his misery. He's like, just follow the, this new voice on the inside. And I picture it this way, as a parent, walking backwards, watching their child. You know, I picture it like, you know, God the Father just saying, hey, keep your eyes on me. Keep your eyes on me. And as, as a parent's watching their child, you know, if the... Uh, we picture a baby because that's all I could find. I couldn't find one where they're like to the teenager for some reason. I don't know. We, nobody put that picture online. But, you know, the, as, a, as a child walking, the parent can clearly see when the child's going to take missteps and say, whoa, whoa, whoa. you don't want to go that way. Not because I'm kicking you out of the family, but that's not going to lead you to peace. Keep your eyes on me. And if they do walk that way, they do fall. Guess who catches them? Jesus. 
She's like, hey, I, I set the line for you. I'm the safety net. I've got you, set you up again. Get your eyes back on Papa. Holy Spirit's the one walking with, holding the hand, saying, hey, we're in this together, you and me. You know, we're not saved by our good works. We're not saved because we do good things after, after we um, uh, receive what Christ has done for us, but we're saved for good works, and we'll talk about that next week. You know, just like that walk in the, in the bush, I think that there's a simplicity. Can I, can I just ask this question? Did that, did that help make some sense? Is that clear or too deep? Clear, simple. You could share that with somebody. See, that, that's, that's the hope. That's the hope. But can I just say that the gospel, because some of you are like, wait a second, I've studied the Bible. There's more to it than that. It's deeper than that. And you are right. It is, it is so much deeper than that. And yet it's that simple as well. When I think about that idea of standing in that bush and just looking at the trees and looking at the leaves and seeing that bird and then, you know, seeing the pond and just how serene and clean it was, I'm like, wow, it's amazing. But as I go back and I look again, as I watch all the way through, guess what? I keep seeing that there was more. Oh, I didn't recognize that tree's actually growing right into another one. Oh, and right, uh, right there on the edge of the pond, I can see something. Uh, you know what? The tadpoles are already um, hatched. And as you go across, it's like, wow, I see more and more deeper. And as I go back, it's like, oh, that's the thing about the gospel. Yes, it is so simple and and yet, it is so complex in the fact that there's always going to be something more to see as you look back into it again. Beautiful. I want to close with this thought. I thought of Horatio Spafford, who wrote the song, When Peace Like a River. Because for me, I, I want peace. I do, you know. I want that, the peace that is like, you know, the, that tranquility peace that, it, that I don't have to worry about, you know, all the, all the stuff going on in the world. And different things, but I realized Horatio Spafford uh, was, many of you know his story, but it, he lost his business in the, the, the Great Chicago Fire. Two years later, his family was going on vacation from the States to, uh, to England, and uh, he, at the last minute, wasn't able to go, and so he sent his wife and four daughters across, and as they were midway across the Atlantic, a, a, a steamship um, ran into their ship, and it sunk. Anna was the one who let him know what happened as she sent a, a, what do they call those, a telegram? Sent it back and it just had two words, saved alone. That's how he found out that he lost all four of his daughters on the same day. And so Horatio Spafford travels across, across the waters of the Atlantic and he gets to that place where the captain of the ship says, hey, here's, here's where the other one went down. As he looks into that billowing uh, waters, that tormenting sea, knowing he's on his way to see his wife Anna to comfort her in her grief, he writes the words of this song. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it's well, it is well with my soul. With my soul. That there might not be peace anywhere on the outside right now, but there's peace right here because I know that what the gospel has done in my life, it is well with my soul. Let me just read the rest of the words. Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and he shed his own blood for my soul. My sin, 
Oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole. It's been nailed to the cross. I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. And Lord, haste the day when faith shall be sight. The clouds be rolled back as a scroll. The trump shall resound. The Lord shall descend. And even then, it is well with my soul. You know, there may not be peace in our world right now, but it is well, it is well with my soul. Can you say the same thing? Is it well with your soul today? For those watching online, listening online, is it well with your soul? Do you have peace with God? For those of you in the room, I don't want to take that for granted today. We've tried to say, hey, you can have peace because Jesus, you know, brought peace in the boat and peace in the storm. And you, can have, you can't have any of that peace without this. The peace of, in your soul you know, my son was telling me the other day, he's like, Dad, you know, you should say sometime, you know, no God or no Jesus, no peace. And if there's, if there's no Jesus, there's no peace. I'm like, he read a bumper sticker, but it fits. It fits. I guess that's the question. Can you rest in peace wherever you are today? Realizing that, you know what? Yes, I've put my trust in Jesus I'm not going to believe the lie of the enemy that says that I'm, I'm not good, I'm no good, I'm a sinner or whatever else because I've trusted in him. Or are you still doing the whole religious thing of I'm trying to get to God, I'm trying to get to God? If that's you today, would you call out to him? Would you put your trust fully in him today? Just simply say, it's, there's no profound prayer. It's just simply saying, Jesus was, was on that picture, that's me. Help me, I, I, I trust you, I cannot do this on my own. And then to simply follow him. And I keep hearing about Jesus followers or people that, that follow and it's out of obligation. If you follow Jesus out of obligation, you do not understand the good news. Because I think if we realize where we came from and where he's placed us, it is just simply out of gratitude. Out of gratitude that we let the Prince of Peace sit on the thrones of our heart. That when my desires and his desires collide, I'm like, oh, what you've done for me, Jesus. I know that I know that I want your desire. Help me to walk that out today, Lord. And guess what? You'll see the effects of it in your life. If people can't see, if you can't see the effects of what Christ has done in your life, then maybe you haven't yet understood the good news. Because it changes you. from the. It can't help but change you from the inside. There's a new master, a new voice, a new thing to follow. And peace with God is actually what leads to peace in the other storms of our life. It's what leads to peace in our relationships because he'll get you to live it different it's actually what leads to the only opportunity for us to truly have peace on earth. So do you have peace with God? Do you know that you know? Have you put your trust in him, really? I know there are a lot of little nervous. I love that I can do this. Just look straight at people and they all look. I'll look into the camera. Do you know? Do you know? Because you can. You can. And that good news isn't just for guys like me. It is for the world. It's for you. And for those of the Jesus followers, have you prepared yourself with that news? Do you know how to share that? Because to be honest, the world isn't going to be coming into churches. <laughs> They're just going to run into the church wherever they find themselves. Will you know, have you prepared to share the good news of the gospel of peace? Can we pray? Jesus, thank you. Thank you for the truth of these words. Thank you for rescuing us. Thank you for doing what we couldn't do. Oh, I'm grateful. I'm grateful. I'm reminded again that you hung on that cross in my place. 
You took my sin. You took my shame. You took it for me so I don't have to carry it anymore. God, you give me hope and a future. Dropped eternal life in my heart. Thank you, thank you, thank you for that. God, my prayer tonight is that as a result of this talk, that there'd be others who just wide open their hearts to you. Lord, for those who've just been doing the religious rituals and, and didn't, don't, didn't recognize the life in it, Lord, I pray that, that they'd have revelation of that even right now. And as your followers, Jesus, you know who, you know who needs you, you know who's hurting right now. Would you lead and direct our steps that we might come into places where we have a chance to share this good news with others? Maybe we, may we be ready in that moment, wherever we may find ourselves, to share the hope and the truth and the life that we have in you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for peace. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, as always, we got a few discussion questions. If you're here in the building, I'd love for you guys to stay and hang out with us. Um, Gary will be leading that, uh, that group discussion. Um, but uh, if you're watching at home uh, with a group of people, I'd encourage you just to take a few minutes, pause the screen once the questions are up there, and, and just wrestle with them for a bit, chat about them. I, I just have to say, last week I had a chance to sit with a, with a small group after the Sunday morning uh, service, and I'm so much, I'm better because of that time. Just hearing uh, and being inspired and encouraged by what God's doing in your lives, it really is, it's just really brilliant. It's worth, it's worth being a part of. And maybe you're at home. Maybe grab the phone, call someone, say, hey, can we, can we go over the questions together? Or maybe you just have to ponder them for yourself and allow the Holy Spirit to do some, some deep stuff in your heart. But here's the, here's the questions for tonight. What jumped out at you from today's talk? What was the one thing you're like, ah, I haven't really thought about it that way before? Because there's a reason that jumped out at you. And it's different across the board. And that's the uniqueness of what Christ is doing in our lives individually. And then second, when have you experienced peace in a storm? When have you experienced it? And what did it feel like? And, and how did it happen? Maybe it was an actual literal storm. Maybe it was just one of the figurative storms of life. And then second, do you have peace with God? This is a question that needs to be answered. It's the nagging one in most people's hearts and lives anyways. It needs, and it can be answered. And, and if, if you do, how do you know? How do you know? And then finally, to the Jesus followers especially, how have you prepared yourself to share the good news of the gospel of peace? How have you prepared to share that? Have you maybe memorized, you know, Romans 3, 23, Romans 6, 23, Romans um, 5, uh, verse 1, Romans 10, verse uh, uh, 8 to 10. You've committed those to memory so you can just simply share. Maybe you're like, you know what? <laughs> I got me a picture now. <laughs> I can draw that somewhere on a napkin. I, I'm preparing. What have you done to prepare? Because because it matters. It matters. And my hope is that today we've had a chance to equip you to do the good work of the ministry, to go be, this, go be his church, go be his ministers in a world that desperately needs it. And we will see you again next time.